indeed working for our good. Let's give the choir a round of applause again. Thank you, guys. Well, my name is Daryl Davis. I'm the assistant pastor of worship and also outreach here at Codshare Presbyterian Church. Uh, in a moment, we're going to take uh, time to recognize and honor our veterans that have served. And so, first of all, thank you if you've served anywhere uh, in the military. I know I've had the privilege of serving. Uh, let's give them a round of applause right now, if you would, those who served. I would ask you to stand, but then you'd be sitting right back down. But let's now take a moment, if we could, uh, with just a short uh, one-minute video. Let's watch it together and be grateful for those who've served our country. Amen. And thank you indeed uh, to our veterans, to those who served. I've had the privilege of uh, going around the world, uh, different countries and missions and uh, for other purposes. And I'm grateful uh, that I'm a part uh, that I was born into this uh, country that we love uh, so dearly. Well, today, uh, as Drew, uh, Pastor Drew talked about, we are now uh, launching our series, Jesus Relates. Jesus relates. And what a, what a concept, what a reality, uh, that of all uh, the religious deities all over the world, we have a God who relates. Uh, you can learn a lot of good things uh, from Confucius, uh, Buddha, even Muhammad has some good things to say. But we serve the living God, Jesus Christ, who came into humanity, who is 100% God, 100% man, and yet he relates to you and I. He accommodated himself. He brought himself down low to our level so that he can relate to you and I. Jesus desires not only to be known, but to know us, to identify us. Jesus indeed relates. He identifies uh, with our pain and our sorrow. He stood and battled uh, toe-to-toe uh, with doubt and fear. He knows quite well stress and temptation. He's wrestled personally with grief and sadness and fatigue. Jesus relates. Jesus didn't simply come so that we could better understand God, but that we would know that God understands us. I'll say that again. Jesus didn't simply come so that we could better understand God, but that we would know that God understands us. Beloved brothers and sisters, God understands. God understands. Jesus, God in flesh, understands. And today, in his relating, uh, we're going to consider how Jesus felt compassion. Someone say, felt compassion. Oh, come on. I'm going to need you to help me this morning. Say, Jesus, Jesus felt, felt compassion. compassion. 
You see, in other words, there was something that took place inside. I know uh, that we, especially as Presbyterians, we, we, we appreciate the heady, the information, but we also serve a God who's acquainted with our feelings, who knows us emotionally deep down inside. Jesus felt compassion. And so we're going to take a moment right now and look at uh, a definition, the compassion continuum. We're going to see here in a second how Jesus relates to us as it appears on the slide uh, this morning. And so compassion, compassion means to feel for another, right? To, it, it's, it's, really, it's really to feel for another in a state of sympathy. And while it's a part of the compassionate continuum, it still is simply just sympathy. But then it, compassion moves a little bit further. It identifies with another. In other words, uh, in, in identification, we place ourselves in a state where we, we, we can feel what it means to walk in another person's shoes. But it doesn't stop there. That's empathy. But then compassion moves us to action on behalf of another. So compassion starts uh, oftentimes with sympathy. And, and to sympathize alone is not bad. But then it moves down a continuum. And then, and then we recognize that part of compassion is also involved in empathy and placing ourselves in a position where we feel where we can identify with the person who's going through a struggle or a difficult time. But then compassion, make no mistake about it, always, always, always involves going forth and taking action on behalf of another. Jesus felt compassion and was moved by compassion to action. Jesus felt compassion and was moved by compassion to action. There's a story in the Bible that we're going to read in a minute where, where Jesus was in Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum was about 21 miles away uh, from this other city called Nain. And we're going to read about how Jesus left the city where, where there was all these great things taking place in Capernaum. The economy was better in Capernaum than it was in Nain. Oh, the streets were paved well. The city services were doing wonderful in Capernaum as compared to Nain. There was a, there, there was an economic boom in Capernaum. Good things were happening. And while there were also good things happening in Nain, it was not so good as it was in Capernaum. And yet Jesus left the comfortable place in Capernaum. He walked with his disciples 21 miles because he had a purpose, something that he had to do in a place called Nain. I could preach a whole sermon if I was back home in my dad's church on a place called Nain. But we won't do that this morning. But but we'll see as we look at the story uh, that Jesus, when he got there, the Bible says as he got to the gate, there was a crowd coming out and Jesus was about to go through, but he saw a woman. Compassion does more than look. Compassion sees. The Bible says that he saw a woman and then the miraculous occurred. Let's take a look at that and read it. Dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Jesus felt compassion, was moved by compassion, and he took action. As we look at that story, we see so clearly how that Jesus was purposeful about where he went. He had to go to name because it was something that he had to do that couldn't be done in Capernaum. He went to Nain, and the Bible says he encountered there at the gate a woman, a widow, in fact, a mother who had lost uh, her son. Now, if you read the history as I did, you'll understand how bad it was uh, for women in that time period. 
It was really bad. Even our country, we can look back at history. We, we can know uh, that there was a time period when women couldn't vote in our country. And then when women could vote, it took years later, even before African-American women could vote. But in this state, in, in, the, in, the, in the period that Jesus grew up, and it was even worse, women had very little rights. And if you were a widow then, it was even more difficult for you uh, to make your way in society, especially if you didn't have a son. And so her one and only son, the only person who could possibly buy property because women couldn't afford and buy property back then on their own. The only one who could make sure that she was taken care of in her well-being was this son who died. I love what it says in verse 13. And when the Lord saw her. That's good news to me because that lets me know that Jesus sees. I I say say the first step to, to having a compassionate heart is to see. It's easy to walk past action. He touched and the man came back to life. Jesus felt compassion and was moved by compassion as he took action. And so to see your fellow man suffering and to say you feel compassion but not take action is inconsistent with who we know Jesus is. Jesus always felt compassion and when he did, oftentimes he was moved to action. There's a scripture in 1 John 3, 17 that says this, But whoso, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Verse 18 says it good. My little children, let us not love in word, that's the written word, neither in tongue, that's a spoken word, but in what? Come on, let's say it loud. Let's love how? Indeed. So that means for us that we have to love if we're going to love in action. In fact, love not demonstrated is not really love at all. The Bible says, but in deed and in truth. Jesus went uh, about with concern, but he moved beyond just concern and sympathetic pity because pity itself is not compassion. You'll know what that's like uh, if you, this time of year, especially as Thanksgiving is approaching, outside of the local grocery store, uh, you'll oftentimes see a person outside there standing and and looking for a little spare change. It's easy uh, to walk in and out and just simply have pity or to have sympathy. It's easy to say, oh man, look at him, poor guy. Oh, poor fella. I wonder how he got in the state that he's in. But see, pity is not compassion. It's easy to say, boy, I, I, wonder, I wonder if there's a social service out there that could help this guy. Pity is not compassion. And then empathy can kick in. And then, and then what we can do is we can reach in our pockets and we can all also toss out a little change. The Romans in Jesus' day were good at that. They would go down the streets in their chariots and they, they would be carried on carts. And, and from time to time, they'd reach into their purse and they'd just toss out a little change out to the crowd. And they would laugh as people scampered around as children. Jesus goes beyond sympathy, goes beyond compassion, as we should. And Jesus reaches beyond empathy into compassion. Compassion always goes deeper. Now, you and I, we live in a social, uh, a social climate where uh, social media is high uh, on everyone's radar. Facebook is a big deal. And if we're not careful, uh, we can get the tendency to think uh, that we can show compassion on social media. And I think it's a big mistake. And now, make no mistake about it, I love social media more than ye all, right? I love what I see on Facebook. Many of you post and repost about the great things that God's doing here. But too often, what I see is when someone loses a loved one, I'll see one push the button that says like. And sometimes someone will even go a little further and, they, and they'll put up those, you know, the little praying hands and say, you know, I'll be praying for you. And I'm not saying that that's bad, 
But that's not the same as compassion. Sometimes you'll even someone say, man, my condolences, my prayers are with you. Now, if you're like me, how often do we say, oh, I'll be praying for you. And if you don't do it in that moment, it's so easy for it to slip to the past. And I'm not saying that Facebook is bad. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that on Facebook and social media, that we shouldn't share our condolences. What I'm saying is, in the day that we live in now, I hope and I believe that there is a church one day that will continue to do what we ought to do, reach out with love like Jesus did, and embrace those that are hurting. They will embrace those who are who are in a state of sorrow. They, they will also say, man, my condolences are for you, but will simply be there in presence with them. Uh, It's easy sometimes to think that compassion means that we have to do something huge and miraculous like Jesus did. But oftentimes, uh, compassion is simply being there, having your presence be present with the person who's going through pain. Maybe you don't know all of what their story is. Maybe, Maybe you really can't fully identify, but there's something compassionate about a person who says, Hey, brother, hey, sister, I really don't know what you're going through, but man, I want you to know that I'm just right here with you. Compassion goes deeper than simply sympathy or empathy. Compassion is not pity. Compassion is what Jesus did when he felt compassion. The Bible says he was moved to action. And that's why I'm excited about what's happening in our missions department, our missions team. I'm excited about what's happening with our young people uh, and, and the young adults ministry with Sam Mock. You see, it would be easy for them to say, hey, yeah, we want to get involved in missions and we'll toss a little coin out towards someone in another country. Oh, we, we, we can write a check or maybe maybe give a little bit of offering. And we want them to do that. But what, what they're saying, which is so exciting to hear, is that, Daryl, it's one thing for us to say we want to give a little bit to the cause. What we want to do is we want to be the hands and we want to be the feet of Jesus. What we want to do is we don't want to just 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 talk about and maybe even pray about the children that are that are in, in, in severe poverty, that, 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 are, that are suffering in pain and in sorrow. But what we want to do is we want to walk over like Jesus did. We want to embrace them as Jesus did. And we want to show just a little bit compassion uh, from the depths of our own hearts. One of them said to me, Daryl, what, what would it look like if, if instead of just praying for shoes for those who are without shoes, if we were just to pack a few shoes, kid sizes, just random kid sizes in our suitcases uh, for the next missions trip that we're going to take overseas? That's what compassion looks like. I'm excited to see now with our missions team that, that, that young adults are now part of that team, uh, that, that they themselves are brewing and stirring with a passion uh, for service and for reaching out and serving those in other countries. To be moved by compassion is to, is to be propelled into action. There was an old saying that we, we, we can't do everything, but we can always do what? We can do something. We can't do everything, but we can always do something, even if it means it will cost us something. There's a passage of Scripture that we're going to look at here in a second. Uh, and we're going to see how uh, Jesus again uh, shows great compassion. And unfortunately, those who were with him, those who were apprenticed with him, the disciples had a hard time then. You see, what they had was sympathy and pity. Let's take a look at that in Mark 6, verses 30 through 40. So in verse 30, it starts off saying that the, the, the apostles returned to Jesus. They told him all that they had done and taught. And so what we see right there in verse 30 is that the disciples were out ministering. They were doing the God stuff. They were doing the Christian thing. They were working for Jesus. And now they had come back and they were proud of the good work that they had done. And they were telling Jesus all about the things that they had done and taught. In verse 31, it says this. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure 
even to eat. Let's stop right there, verse 31. You see what happened in this story here? As Jesus was going along, the disciples, they were tired. They were worn out. And, and the plan was for them to go to the other side and do what? They were going on the other side to simply to go and rest. The Bible tells us clearly that they, they, they hadn't even had a chance to eat. For many were coming along and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And in verse 32, it says this. And they went away. They got into a boat. They went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, here's the kicker in verse 33. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Let's stop there for a minute. So imagine you're getting in a boat because you need a rest. You're going over there, and all of a sudden people recognize who you are, but you're going over there to do what? Is it okay for us to rest? Yeah. What was the plan when they got to the other side? Yeah. The plan was to rest, but all of a sudden people saw them, the Bible says. They recognized them, and they ran on foot even ahead of them and got there to the place where they were. Now, many saw them, verse 33, going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had what on them? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them. We see in that passage, I stay right there in 34 for a minute, that, that Jesus was moved by compassion. It wasn't part of the plan for them to gather on the other side and to be taught. It, it, there, there was no spreadsheet that was laid out uh, weeks ahead of time. There was no email blast that went out. Uh, the the sign-up genius hadn't gone forth. They simply responded as Jesus did right there in compassion in the moment doing the best they could with what they had right where they were. Sometimes I wonder if we're willing uh, to get involved or, or if we're too critical and we don't see the plan laid out just the way that we want it to. Sometimes I, I wonder, it, it seems sometimes if, if what we want is, is three announcements, right? We want four bulletin entries. And then, and then what we also need is, is three different places to sign up before we'll, we'll engage with what Jesus is doing. And what I'm here to encourage you with is that sometimes, sometimes, sometimes God does something and he just doesn't let us know about it ahead of time. Is, is that okay for God to do that? <laughs> is it okay for him to be God and for us to simply fall in line and to be obedient? The plan was for them to get a little bit of rest. Yet Jesus, who was full of compassion, was moved by compassion and took action. If you want to relate to Jesus, perhaps, just perhaps, then we can do what Jesus did and flow with the plan that the Father lays forth instead of with our own plans. Verse 35 says this, And when it grew late... When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, Whoo, oh boy, this, Jesus, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Can you imagine they're standing there on the scene? They were already tired. They were already worn. They were exhausted. They were doing God's stuff. They were doing good stuff, serving Jesus, caring about what Jesus cared about. And now all of a sudden they go to him and say, Jesus, you know, we appreciate it, but, but you know, maybe enough is enough. It, it's, it's time for us to go because it's getting a little late. And after all, this is a desolate place. Somebody say a desolate place. Say it with me, a desolate place. You see, in the desolate places in our city, just like I imagined back then, if they had police officers, the police don't, don't, they don't patrol the same in the desolate places as they do in the prominent places. In the desolate places, as I said before, the street lights aren't shining as often as they are in the privileged places. But Jesus went forth to the desolate places. Maybe you can relate to this. 
I'm grateful that some of you are serving right now from this great church in the desolate places. Some of you are serving with children who, who will be marked because of, of the simply because of the school they go to or because where they live as, 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 as if though they came from the desolate places. But some of you are pouring your lives out. You're pouring your time out. You're pouring your resources out because you, like Jesus, see the value in the desolate places. Maybe you're doing ministry with kids uh, who are involved in whiz kids. And maybe, maybe you're serving uh, immigrants in the swim ministry. And, and maybe someone has written them off and said, those are just the desolate places. Those are just the desolate people. But Jesus said, no, we need to be in the desolate places serving the desolate people. I believe there are some lessons that, and some growth that can only take place while we're serving in the desolate places. Hope dries up quickly. Hope dries up quickly in the desolate places. The finances, they just don't seem to last enough in the desolate places. Peace, man, it withers fast in the desolate places. Hearts oftentimes are bitter and cold in the desolate places. I want to encourage you, my brother and sister, to keep on going, keep on praying, keep on bringing hope. Keep on speaking life as you do so well in the desolate places, even in our own city. Don't give up. God can do the miraculous even in the desolate places. The Bible says in verse 35, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, Boy, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. And then in verse 36, it says this, Jesus, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I hope you see what I see there in verse 36. I think the, the disciples had a sense of, of sympathy. I think they, they even had a little bit of pity on the crowd. It's getting late. They hadn't eaten anything yet. Jesus, the people need to eat. So, so how about if we just send them away so that they can go buy food uh, for themselves? It's easy to send people away uh, to social services to find what they need. Now, perhaps... Uh, you're like this guy I know who, when he saw the Thanksgiving bags that we are serving here, uh, handing out here at Codger Presbyterian Church for people to give uh, food and to buy turkeys for people. Perhaps you're, you're like, perhaps you're like this guy I know who said, man, why are we doing that again? I mean, why are we doing bags for the hungry? Aren't there social services that can take care of that? I mean, it, it, those people, don't those people get assistance from the government? I won't tell you what this guy's name is. He's wearing a brown jacket with a pink shirt. But, but this guy had an attitude that said, well, why, why are we, I mean, can't they go to Crossroads? Crossroads is giving out turkeys, right? Isn't, isn't there the, the free store food, food bank here in the city that, that's doing that? Why are we at College Hill Presbyterian Church doing this again? Couldn't we do some creative thing this Thanksgiving? Oh, this guy, he loves the creative. Just let me tell you. What he was saying was the same thing that these disciples were saying. Maybe it's someone else's job. Jesus, send them away so that they can buy food for themselves. And perhaps they even had money. Perhaps even some of them had food with them. Their idea was that, no, we need to go because we're tired. We need to eat. Just just send them away. It's a nice sympathy. It's caring to even think that way. Maybe there are some places open in town that they can go to to get food. Send them away, it says in verse 36 to go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Sympathy will always contemplate what coulda, shoulda, 
and would have been done if things were different. Compassion will make a decision about what needs to be done and do something. That's why I love Jim Bodmer. Oh, I don't like his politics. Woo! He's my friend, man. I love him dearly. He likes one candidate. I like the other. But I love his compassion. I love his passion for people who need to know Jesus. See, see, here's what Jim Bonner did. Even in the midst of his own struggle, even in the midst of his own tragedy and, and his pain, National Night Out came up and the city came to us at the last minute saying, hey, guys, I know that this is kind of late, but do you guys think we could get involved and work together to do something for National Night Out, to put together something so that there can be a bridge drawn between the police and local first responders and the community? Now, you don't have to look very far to know that there's been a huge divide when it comes to police officers in the community. Man, I, I'm proud uh, of the blue, and I'm proud of being black as well. But there have been a huge divide between my brethren who wear the blue, oftentimes, and those who are black in our city today. I'm black and blue, by the way. And see, Jim saw that there was more that could be done, even if we couldn't do it the way that it was done before, Basically, Jim was saying, we can't do everything, but we can do. Yeah. There's no saying that says, better to do something great for Jesus, to attempt to do something great for Jesus and to fail than to, in doing nothing, succeed. See, normally it takes six weeks for, or six months, excuse me, for a national night out event. We sat there in the office, me and Jim and, and Helen, and we sat there saying, man, we don't know. We've only got two more weeks. But I'm so glad that we still had National Night Out. Oh, it wasn't a big crowd, but we did something in the name of Jesus. I wonder if it's the same spirit that, that Jesus was trying to communicate here to his disciples. No, you give them something to eat is what he said. Verse 33, Jesus said, when they said, send them away, he answered this. This is what he said. You give them something to eat. I hope you caught that. He said, you give them something to eat. I wonder if Jesus was thinking that perhaps they had something to eat already. Notice that he didn't say, hey, guys, do you have anything to eat? Well, he said, you, you guys, you give them something to eat. It's interesting that, that when we look in the Gospels, uh, three different Gospel writers write this same account of Jesus asking the disciples, what do you have can you give them something to eat? It's not just what someone else does, but sometimes it comes down to what you have in your hand and what you can do. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And they gave the quintessential political answer. You know how it goes. You, you, you ask one thing and someone just answers something totally different. Jesus said, oh, you give them something to eat. And they said, okay, so here's what we'll do. We'll go uh, take two days pay and then we'll buy them something to eat. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you give them something to eat. Verse 38, he says this. How many loaves do you have? How many loaves? What is in your hand? How much time would you have 
to volunteer and swim ministry? How much time would you have to help out in WizKids? How much time might you have to serve at Fall Fest next year or at Winter Fest this year? How much time might you have to help with Heartbeat of the City? How much time might the guy with the pink shirt who didn't like the idea of gathering food for the home, how much time might he have to pull together some canned goods? What do you have is what he said. Then he said, go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two, five loaves and two fishes. Then he commanded them all sit to all sit down in the groups uh, in the green grass. They sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Can you imagine that must have been an organizational nightmare? I imagine, you know, who could have gone around and said, okay, we need to count off. We want this group to be a hundred and we want this group to be fifties. And I think that's why it says they sat in groups of hundreds and fifties. And some of us would have been pulling out our hairs. Jesus, you could have done a better job planning this. I mean, you knew that people followed you. Why didn't you put together an organizational chart? And we could have figured this thing out better. The Bible says, he said, he says, have them sit down in groups. And they did taking the loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, he divided the two fish among them all. The Bible says they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. I love how Jesus, who is full of compassion, is moved by compassion and takes action. As I look back, I think about uh, this recent uh, Fall Fest outreach that we all share together. I love when we come together as a community of faith to do something in Jesus' name. You see, Fall Fest really wasn't about the stilt walker. It wasn't about the little trackless train. It wasn't about the treat tables that we had. And it, it wasn't about the balloon man or, or the person doing the face painting. The event was about the miraculous compassion of God that shines forth through you and to me to a world who so desperately needs it. Mother Teresa, I like Mother Teresa, she has a saying that they use a lot. Uh, uh, small things done with great love will win the world. Small things done with great love will win the world. I like Mother Teresa, but that's quite not completely accurate. See, I say the only thing, hear me well, beloved brothers and sisters, the only thing that will really win the world is when we who name the name of Jesus, we who are called by his name, who are full of compassion, walk out into world to the world with compassion, reach out and embrace with love those who need that compassion. We are the ones in Jesus' name who can, who can win the world to Jesus. Just about every company does a little change tossing around this time of year. Every country is going to do some altruistic project or something to help the community. But what I love is what I saw at Fall Fest. I looked out and I saw smiles. I, I looked out and I saw joy. Oh man, there was peace flowing around our campus like, like I, I didn't even imagine. I expected there would be a hundred people and I lost count after 200. Oh, there was joy. Uh, my mom used to say there's a joy that the world didn't give it to you and the world can't what? Oh, somebody went to my mama's church. <laughs> Listen, there was a joy that I saw on the campus. It just blew me away. And I'm telling you, it wasn't about the stuff. Somebody say the thing was not the thing. Say it again. The thing was not the thing. Say it again. The thing was not the thing. 
So what I want you to understand that it wasn't about the stuff. It wasn't about the bag of candy that some of you donated. But because you donated that bag of candy, somebody reached out and prayed a prayer that that candy would be served with the miraculous compassion, the miraculous love of Jesus Christ. And something miraculous occurred on that day. As I look around the world that we live in today, you can't help but see the pain and the distress around race and politics. Did I say that right? Politics. You can't help but see the pain and the agony that people experience. I mean, there's dissension that's in the air. It seems everywhere you look, you can hardly drive a car. And I don't know about you, but has anyone noticed that the heightened level of anger that we see on the roads today? Oh man, it's, it's almost scary. You put on your signal, you want to change lanes, and someone gets angry and starts riding the horn. It's downright unnerving when we see the dissension, the division along so many lines in our world today. But yet, at Fall Fest, the light of Jesus shined forth through you and through me and made a difference. Oh, because see, it didn't matter whether you were three, 33, or 133. It didn't matter whether you were black, whether you were white, Latina, Latino, Hispanic, Asian. It didn't matter what you were. What mattered was whose you are and that you allowed Christ to shine through you to a lost and dying world who so desperately needs the compassion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. I looked around, man, and I saw growth groups serving together. <laughs> Man, I saw, I didn't even know who was going to be there from the day. I saw growth groups coming together. I looked over at one table and, and I saw the Hollands gather up the water and because we didn't have anyone there and they got the juice bottles. I walked over and she said, man, is it okay if we give out these juice bottles? Yeah, that sounds good to me. My old pastor used to say this all the time. There's better some wildfire than no fire at all. Better some wildfire than no. We're at a state right now where the church, the world wants to see the church on fire for Jesus. Better some wildfire in the body of Christ than no fire at all. I saw people at Fall Fest, some from blessed places and some from desolate places, all together experiencing the miraculous love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's what compassion is all about. Man, sometimes I think back to my, my old vacation Bible school days. You remember, for me, uh, man, I remember as a kid going home from school and, and the Catholic sisters, n- not the sisters, but the sisters. Uh, that probably went over some of you. Say. But I remember the Catholic sisters were the ones that taught me. And, th- and there was this old song they used to sing. And I wonder if anyone knows it here. I know they don't know it on the other side in the contemporary service. But it said, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Anybody know that one? Come on, say, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's what people saw when they saw us serving and working in in Jesus' name together. Man, the world didn't understand it. They they can't figure out racial unity. They can't figure out uh, racial and social justice. But only Christ, when we walk in him, when we allow ourselves to be full of compassion, can move in the world with compassion and make a difference. I still believe that too often when the world looks at the church, not necessarily our church, but the church universal, I think that too often when the world looks at the church, it, it sees that too many people and too many churches look too much alike. I think that too many people and too many churches look too much alike. I'm not saying that, that if you're somewhere where they're in diversity, that God's not there. And, and I'm excited for what God's doing. But, but I believe that the world is looking for a church, looking for a people 
who, who serve the way I see you guys serving. I go to Wiz Kids. I see people from a variety of backgrounds. I, I Fall Fest, I looked around and I was talking with a lady at Fall Fest and I says, man, I come from a big family. I said, you see my brother over there? He, he's the guy with the plaid shirt on. His name is Mike Funes. I, I don't speak a lick of Spanish, but he does. The only Spanish I know is taco burrito. But Mike Funes, the guy over there in the plaid shirt, he speaks it fluently. That, that's my brother. And you, and you see the lady over there who's helping with the garbage cans? Well, her name is Jennifer Cron. Well, that's not her job, you see. But that's her purpose is to serve here in the community. You, you see that guy over there working with the kids messing up the popcorn machine? All those teenagers over there who are having a rough time. See, see those guys over there? You see the one kid over there, the, the, the one that's a little bit older? His name is Sam Mock. We call him Big Daddy Sam. You see, he's not their father, but see, he's the only daddy that perhaps some of those kids will ever see. That's what the church is when the church comes together. It's when they can see, see men serving in the whiz kids table for Jesus' name. It's when they can see men, strong men like Mike Funes stand up, men who are manly men who are standing up for Jesus' sake, saying that this is a life worth living, that Jesus is a God worth following. That's what we need in the church today. One day, we'll all gather. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not too soon. But one day, we'll all gather together in heaven. Every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every people, and we'll declare together with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb of God. That's why I love our mission statement. We exist to honor God by growing a diverse community. Say it with me. We exist. Let's put it up on the screen, Bailey. We exist to honor God by growing a diverse community. Other people, other churches, they're about other things. Let's say it again. We exist to honor God by growing a diverse community of Jesus followers. You see, there's other ways that we can also grow uh, Jesus followers. But we here, we exist to honor God by what? Growing a diverse. Yeah. I love what the Bible says in Matthew 22. It's there that Jesus exposed the lie of loving God without loving others once and for all. It's there that he merged the first commandment with the second commandment and exposed the lie for what it was, that you can serve God without loving others. He says this, verse 22, chapter 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Then he says in verse 39, and a second is like it. And a second is like it. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And bow your heads with me as I pray.